You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. this today, and I enjoyed putting this together, and I hope that I can share with you what I believe the Lord was sharing with my heart, and that's the goal. Uh, but in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, let's begin reading in verse number 1, and we're going to read from verse 1 down to verse number 10, then we'll get into the message tonight. But the Bible says, But of the times and of the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. You know, the Lord's coming for us won't come as a thief in the night because we're ready. We're watching. And that's what he goes on to say here. Ye are all children of light. This is what I'm going to be preaching, emphasizing today. This is going to be my main text when I talk about light for the last days. Ye are all children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that are drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us for wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. The Bible becomes much more understandable when you learn to identify the many principles that are in the Bible. There's a lot in the Bible. It's a big book, and there's, uh, th- there's basics that can be grasped, uh, you know, fairly easily, I should say. Uh, but, man, the, the, the depths of God's Word, it's, it's a living book. I mean, it's, it's alive, and it speaks. And so there is no one who's a master of the Bible, okay? Uh, I have known of people who have memorized the Bible. But you don't memorize the Bible and become an expert. You know, it's, it, it's something that, that you, you read once and then you go back and read again and God speaks to your heart. It, it, the, the word doesn't change, but there's a depth to it. But one of the things that can be really helpful in your study of the Bible is learning some principles and identifying many of the principles that we find within its sacred pages, much like the one that we find in our text today. So you see a a familiar theme that's in the Bible where he says there in verse number 5, Ye are all children of light. And the children of the day, we are not of the night nor of darkness. So light and darkness are a familiar contrast throughout the Bible. You go back all the way to the beginning, God created Adam and Eve and he put them in the magnificent light of the Garden of Eden. But when Adam sinned, he fell into darkness, taking all the generations to come with him. The enlightenment that Satan promised only led to the night of despair and death. However, the Lord did not leave them in the dark. He did did not leave them in their fallen state because into the Garden of Eden came the Lord with, as, as a shining light into the, into the gloom of 
fallen man there in the Garden of Eden, he came to rescue, to bring Adam and Eve, to provide them a way back to life and to light. Now, ever since that day, man has come into this world under the shadow of darkness. Now, darkness pictures sin. For one thing, it's a picture of sin. Darkness is also a picture, if you will, of depravity. It's a picture of despair, all right? So it's a picture of sin, depravity, and despair. But it's also a picture of ignorance and deception. And that's going to be a theme that I really want to hit on because darkness, it does speak of immorality and sinfulness, but it also speaks of ignorance. And it's really remarkable how the two run together. And honestly, that's another principle that we find. But this principle of light and darkness, we see this repeatedly played out in history. Gross sinfulness rots away civilization. Through millennia, earthly, sensual, and devilish wisdom has attempted to justify wickedness, usually by suppressing the truth with dissimulation. So you have those who are trying to rule and reign, not in the ways of righteousness, but in the way of sinfulness. And so often, what do you get in the kingdoms throughout the millennia? You get whoever was the strongest and the most powerful that would come to rule and to reign, and everyone else would just have to be subject to them. And one of the things that many kingdoms and, uh, and, and civilizations have tried to do is keep the common people in darkness. Keep them in ignorance because that way they don't have the ability to identify and say, wait, this is dumb or this isn't right and, uh, and, so ha- and what have you. So, th- so the idea that this has been going on for uh, just millennia that to where people, rulers, dignitaries, kings, religious uh, leaders diligently and purposefully keep the masses illiterate and dependent. The Dark Ages was called the Dark Ages for, you know, a a number of different reasons. But at the top of that list, one of the things that goes right along with it was the fact that so many people were illiterate. But it was purposed to be that way. And especially among the church, because if you'll remember the the, the Catholic church at that time, the idea was that the the priest, for one thing, you got to realize during the Dark Ages, the priests continued to hold their masses in Latin. But the common man did not speak Latin. And so people were just come, came and, and, and the, Bible, the only Bibles available, not that there were Bibles laying around, but it would have been in Latin. That wasn't language for the common man. And the people were illiterate anyway. So they'd come to services and they would just be told what to do and just trust us. We'll tell you what to do. We're not going to educate you and teach you why? We're, we're not, we're not going to teach you, it's interesting because it still applies today, we're not going to teach you uh, how to think and how to learn, we're going to teach you what to think. We're just going to tell you what you need to think, what you need to believe, you just follow us. And so there's been this intentional, um, this uh, keeping people in the darkness as far as education concerns, and it keeps people dependent, all right? But here's the good news. So that's kind of the dark side of it. But on the light side of it, against this gloomy backdrop of history, God in grace has kept a light burning in every generation. 
God has always had a light. Sometimes men and women would give heed and turn to this light and a blazing, a blazing beacon would result. I mean, just a light that just would fill the darkness. Like when Joseph was the light down in Egypt. And years later, when Moses was a light down in Egypt. When you think about the king, the, the, the rule of King David, and you think about when Solomon came to power and, and the glory of the, the temple that he built to where the queen of Sheba travels from afar just to see what God has done. I mean, what, what is that? That's the light of God's holiness and the light of knowledge and wisdom that's shining to a dark world. And so sometimes it's a blazing. Or you think about what we, we just celebrated. I mean, man, you talk about uh, light coming into darkness. The prophet said, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell of the shadow of death upon them hath the light shined Isaiah 9 this was a coming the Lord Jesus Christ that would prove to be the dividing point of history it does it bother does it bother anybody else that my children are going to have to teach their children or maybe at least reference and let their children know someday that well you know before it was before it was BCE yeah, before, before common error, uh, and I said error, uh, era, uh, or, or before in the year of our Lord, you know, A.D., uh, I, I, could, I could maybe pronounce the Latin if I wasn't standing up here, but I stand up here and get tongue-tied. You're thinking, you get tongue-tied when you're not up here, too, so maybe you don't believe, maybe you're not buying that. But A.D., the year of our Lord, does anybody know why that changed? It just changed because they did not want to impose on people who didn't believe in Jesus that being the dividing point. But what is the dividing point? It's still Christ. We're just going to ignore that it's Christ and say, you know, uh, before common era, era and uh, what's AD, something, whatever the new thing is on that. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. But, but, but man, you talk about dividing history because it still divides it whether they want to admit it or not. Because that's exactly what it is. It's the dividing point of history. Or think about this. You talk about, I'm talking about a light shining. I'm talking about blazing the beacon of a, of a light that's shining in darkness. Jesus Christ, of course, during his first coming was that. Think about the great awakening that took place in the early part of, uh, of our country, before the founding of our country. But man, uh, man if, if you love American history, you just go back and study the influence that the great awakening had upon the founding of our country. I mean, I'm talking about just a huge impact upon that. But you, you think about that as a blazing. Now, there's other times that the light, I'm talking about that there's always been a light. Darkness from the beginning of history all the way until now. Darkness. And there's times of great light, but God always has some light. God said, I will always have a remnant. I'll always have someone, somebody, somewhere. Sometimes it may seem like more of a flicker, like in the days of Noah, when it was just Noah and his family that were standing for righteousness, when the rest of the world was in the darkness of sin and immorality, but they were also in the darkness of, of, of not believing and hearing the truth, which led them into that sin and degradation. The days of Noah, the courts of Ahab. How dark of a day was it when Ahab was the king of Israel and Jezebel was the queen? You think you fast forward 
to last century, and you think about the unfathomable misery of Hitler's labor camps. But even there in Hitler's labor camps, you, you, have, you have a Corey Ten Boom, and you have Betsy Ten Boom that somehow bring a light into such an obscure, uh, horrible, again, unfathomable darkness. But there was a light there behind, behind Stalin's Iron Curtain. There was a light. Yeah, there, there were uh, the, the, the pastors and, and then the philosophers and those who stood for truth. And they stood as a light in the darkness. You think about the terror of Mao's cultural revolution that followed sometime later. Uh, you think about those Christians and what they went through. But even after the death of all those Christians, there's still a light there in communist China. Uh, so the, the light shines, even though sometimes it seems to be uh, maybe just a flicker, but God has always had a light. So 1 Thessalonians, the point of what I'm trying to emphasize is he's telling them, you know what, you don't need to get all hung up on the times and the dates and the seasons and all that business. The Lord's coming. You need to know the Lord's coming. He's coming. You need to know this. We're not appointed to wrath. So the rapture of chapter 4 is going to take place before the judgment falls as far as the seven-year period of judgment specifically. You need to know that. The Lord's going to come before that. But besides that, here's what you need to know. Be a light. Walk as children of light. Be a light in this world. Be a light in the darkness. Now, the veil of darkness that I believe we see falling all around us in America, I would argue is unprecedented in the history of our country. Now, you say, well, preacher, why are you, ta are you taking this to an American speech now? Well, I am just because we live in America, right? Um, so just bear with me on this. But I believe that there's a veil of darkness that seems to be falling all around us in this country. And, of course, I believe it's unprecedented in the history of our country, the extent to where it's at today. But sadly, we know that it's, a, it's been a common occurrence in most countries around the world. The Puritans came to America in 1630, led by John Winthorpe. That same year, he preached in a sermon, and here's what he said. He said, for we shall be a city on a hill. The eyes of all the people are upon us. All right, that's what he preached. That's what he said. In Matthew 5, 14, of course, that's where Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. So John Winthorpe, listen, they weren't coming here to try to make a, a fortune, and they weren't coming here to try to commit genocide on anybody and get gold. There were some that did that, but that's not the reason the Puritans came uh, here. Uh, and, and who were these Puritan people? Folks, they were people that had been influenced by Bible preaching, New Testament, Baptist, New Testament churches, many of them Baptists, in, um, in the Netherlands. But they, which is just simply to say they were influenced by this book. They were in, influenced by this book being the sole authority by faith and practice. Many of them were. So therefore, he said, we're coming here that, th that this place might be a city set on a hill. Beginning in the 1970s, Ronald Reagan placed that line from that sermon at the center of his political career. Tracing the history of America, John Winthorpe forward, Reagan built a powerful articulation of American exceptionalism. The idea, as he explained, was this, that there was some divine plan that placed this great continent between two oceans to be sought out by those who were possessed of an abiding love of freedom and a special kind of courage. And uh, 
And if you're around in those days, you know, you'd hear that speech sometimes or that reference to be a city on a hill, to be a city on a hill. But it goes back to that sermon, which goes back to Jesus' words of Matthew 5.14. As the shadows continue to seemingly close in around us, the question comes to mind. You ready for this question? I might need your help here, Danny. Uh, the, the, the question comes to mind. <laughs> Who's turning on the darkness? <laughs> Who's turning on the darkness? All right. So now you're catching maybe a little bit of a, what I'm trying to get at here. Someone says, well, I know who's turning on the darkness. It's those that are propagating social Marxism and, and, and wokeism. Uh, they're the ones to blame. You know, so someone just waxes real spiritual and just goes to the source and says, no, the, the very prince of darkness. He's the one to blame for the darkness that's, that's, that's flooding our country, that's flooding our world. But of course, then we, after we say all that, at once we realize something. Darkness can't be turned on. Turn out the lights for me, Danny. You're just right there. Hit them quick. Well, not the one I'm looking at. No, I'm just kidding. That's... Uh, all right, but what, but what, what, did he just turn, why, why did he turn the darkness on? Did he, he go back there and he got the darkness switch, didn't he? No, there's not a darkness switch. Darkness is just simply the absence of light. When the light goes out, the darkness comes in. But watch this. You want to see how quickly darkness can be defeated? Go ahead, Danny. Just like that. He, he turned that on, and now it's hiding under the chairs and, you know, uh, over behind the walls and, and behind the piano over here. But it just had to go. It had to flee. Because the idea that I'm just simply trying to point out is that if you want to defeat the darkness, just turn on the light. That's the way darkness is defeated. Yeah, you don't yell at the darkness. You turn the light on. You shine. You burn like a fire. I mean, the darkness flees. Folks, the last bastion for liberty, a liberty that's based on a biblical belief that we are endowed by our Creator with rights, that government does not give and grant rights to people. God gives us the rights. That, 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 that idea is in great peril today. The darkness, the darkness in our country increased in the 20th century as pastors and churches hid their light under the bushel basket, otherwise known as the four walls of the church. We're just going to keep it to ourselves. We don't want to offend anyone. And we, uh, you know, we, we're, we'll just, but listen, that is not the biblical model, and that's not how America was founded at all. But that's what happened in much of the 20th century. And so while men slept, I want you to know the enemy was busy. While, the, while Christians slept, Remember this chapter, he said, we, we, we're not sleeping, we're awake. But in the 20th century especially, there were many sleeping. And while men slept, there were many seeds being sown within our country. Um, you know, history was being revised already. Those of you in this room today, you feel like, man, I wish that kids today could have learned history the way I learned it. Well, what if I told you, you learned history way that was different than the way your uh, parents and grandparents learned it, depending on your age. But I'm telling you, there's nobody in here uh, that learned history in the sense that, that, that was learning what was being taught all the way up until especially 1910. When we were truly being taught in this country 
the, the biblical foundation, the biblical principles, when the Supreme Court itself said that, that, the, that, that, without, the, that without the Bible, you don't have a proper foundation for learning, period. You don't have it. And, and then they would reflect historically how the influence, that there's a reason why that the most, uh, the Americans, even though we were taught about these Americans in a, uh, and these statesmen and our founding fathers in a positive light, there's a reason that by the time that we were learning about our founding fathers, that it was just the deist that we were learning behind mostly. And by the way, that the deist, you know, the, the, uh, the deist or theist? 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 What are you saying? Theist. I thought so. Uh, I didn't put this on my notes. Uh, but, any, but, but the point is, you know, the, the, the idea that, you know, that, uh, that, that Jefferson, if he was pressed on it, Jefferson, Franklin, if he was pressed on it, the, the idea that they believed in God, they believed in the Creator, but they believed he just wound up everything like a clock and then just let her run. That's how, that's, that's what a, a deist believes. But here's the, but, I'm, but I just say this. They claim to believe that, but if you listen to some of the things they said, you question like, well, dude, how much, you were a pretty terrible deist. Uh, Benjamin Franklin was a pretty terrible deist when, uh, when, 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 when through arguments and confrontation, it looked like the Continental Congress was about to fall apart when he said, men, he said, if, if, we, he said, if, a, if a sparrow cannot fall to the, from the sky without the attention of our father, he said, what are we to think, how are we to think that a nation can rise without his assistance? And they went into, I mean, I'm talking about prayer meetings. They didn't just say, okay, Lord, we're about to do this thing. We really need your help. In Jesus' name, amen. They literally spent hours praying, begging God, help us, give us wisdom, bring this thing together, help us to put, uh, get in there what we need to get in there and so forth. What I'm just simply trying to say is that history has been uh, changed and we haven't been taught, uh, all, and, and that goes with the darkness. And now... You know, we find out that they're all terrible, right? Uh, now, that's not to say that they don't have scars and wrinkles. I, I can say if there's, I, I could say that, man, it would have done us some good. It would have been fine if they would have been more upfront about their faults and their failures and everything. But remember that it was by what they were able to put together. Um, you know, I think about slavery, for instance. I, I think about slavery. Folks, one of the reasons it, our country was about not to be a country was because of the issue of slavery. Because there were those demanding, we cannot, we, we, must, we must end it. When we start this country, it's got to stop right now. But there were some of those in the South that were just like, well, we ain't signing up on that. Our whole livelihood. And so they made an agreement right there. Okay, within, what was it, 20 years? Within 20 years, uh, it, we're going to set out, all the slaves will be set free. And that's what was supposed to happen. It's not what happened. Um, a certain party came to power, but that's a whole other story that changed a lot of that stuff and, uh, and tried to keep, it, keep that slavery and then racism much longer after that, Jim Crow and, and et cetera. But just like, um, just like uh, many of the, uh, boy, I'm, trying, I'm, I'm, I'm losing the word here, especially since I'm running way off script and off where I was going to be. But like Frederick Douglass, for instance, Frederick Douglass initially an escaped slave, brilliant man, a brilliant mind. When he initially escaped uh, slavery, he was against the Constitution because he understood that Jefferson was a slave owner. He understood Washington was a slave owner. The same stuff you're hearing today. But the more he studied and the more he learned, he's like, wait a second. 
But what they put in that Constitution and what later came into the Bill of Rights, he said it was based on what they wrote that we're able to be free today. They, you know, there's this great contradiction of who they were versus what they believed and what they wrote. And they put the keys in there, if you will, for freedom and for all men truly to be acknowledged as created equal under God. Uh, but, but the point is, is those are a lot of the things that you don't learn about. You don't learn about many of the, uh, you don't learn about the African-American statesmen and congressmen and senators back in those early, early days. Um, anyway, it's, a whole, it's an amazing thing, the stuff that you learn. Oh, boy. Here, I, I kind of interrupted myself, I feel like, here. Okay. Um, when we think about the, the place we're at now, okay, think about this. So from, from, the hall, from, from the grade schools to the halls of higher learning, the light was removed. First, the light of God's holy standard. All right, so we know that God's holy standard. We can't teach that stuff. We can't legislate righteousness. But isn't it interesting, the same people that don't want to legislate righteousness, they're okay legislating unrighteousness, right? But anyway, that's, that's, that's the truth. So uh, first, the light of God, God's holy standard was removed. Now, the light of objective truth has been replaced with the obscurity of subjective truth. Children are no longer taught how to think, but they're taught what they must think. Utter ridiculousness seems to have saturated our society. Therefore, darkness prevails. God revealed that it would be so in the last days. You ever listen to some of the stuff that's going on in the world today? Some of the stuff that people are saying? Did you ever, I mean, I remember hearing that there was going to become a day. The Bible warned about it in Isaiah 5. The Bible warns about it in other ways in the New Testament. But it warned that there was going to come a time when they would call evil good and good evil. When the most intolerant people ever get to call the most tolerant people ever intolerant. Right? I mean, when, 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 and then the funny thing about these people are, you can think about people that a number of years ago, they would have been considered, they would have called themselves, um, you know, all of these uh, uh, fear words and mongering words and all of that stuff. But now, just as the political winds change, they change with political winds. Now, so the, the darkness of sin and immorality, all right, so remember, I started off with this, I'm going to try to get to the end with this. The darkness of sin and immorality and the darkness of ignorance and deception are uh, inextricably bound, all right? Ignorance is chosen, no matter how ridiculous, because man chooses sin. Now, so no matter how ridiculous it may be, people will believe what they want to believe if it supports the way they want to live. Now, sure, initially, they will find a scientist or they'll find a, uh, you know, a reputable philosopher or renowned philosopher to sign off on the license of their degradation. But their heart is revealed when science begins to prove and say otherwise than what they believe, yet they still want to keep believing the same thing. And, and when true and sound philosophy debunks what they are wanting to believe, what do they do then? Well, they just keep on believing it. And I'm telling you, 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 you begin to wonder, <laughs> we live in a crazy day, people. 
You talk about people of faith today. I mean, you know, they, they, they try to look at God's people and, and, and look at us as people that have this, this faith that's based in just like nothing. You know, oh, yeah, you just uh, take a step of faith out into nothingness. Man, listen, I am glad, hallelujah, praise the Lord, that you do not have to check your brain at the door before you walk into a Bible-preaching church. Because the thing you need to realize is the more science advances, the more this, this Word of God is proved thoroughly true. I mean, whether it's philosophy, whether it's, you know, whether it's geology, it doesn't matter what it is. You look at the study, and this Word just uh, is God's Word is revealed over and over again to be true. It doesn't matter. We're the ones who have, just, have this blind faith. Then you're looking at these people, and uh, you know, and and you know, just just for example, men too can too get pregnant, and women and mothers aren't mothers anymore; they're birthing persons. Well, no, I, the 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 but the science says this is a female, and and this female is able to conceive and have. That's what the no no no. It doesn't matter what the science says. You see, it's crazy stuff. Uh, but anyway, I mean, but, but you say, it, it's, so you, you see the immorality, and, and along with the immorality, it's coupled, it's coupled with ignorance and darkness and deception. Because I want to be real careful when I make fun of these philosophies, because the thing we've got to understand is there's sincere people who have been duped by these philosophies. And I want to be understanding about that because I'm not looking again. The way we hold forth the light, we don't beat people over the head with the light. We shine the light. And that light involves life. It involves love. It involves caring for people. It involves getting and going where people are. And so we've got to understand that there's people that have just bought this stuff hook, line, and sinker. But we look at the, the, the connection between moral darkness and mental darkness and emotional darkness because that's the sad part is it not you look at the suicide rates for people that are confused in the darkness that we're talking about of immorality as well as in ignorance and deception and these people are in bad shape these people are lost they 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 they, they thought they were going to get qu- their an- their questions answered but now they just have more questions and they're becoming hopeless They need truth. But here's what Jesus said in John 3, verse 19. He said this, And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. See, this ultimately leads to, I mean, where does it all lead? Sin repeated. We, we learn this as kids even, do we not? As a kid, or somewhere early on, I, I, I dare say every one of us at some point in our lives as a child did something wrong. Okay, we can, I think we can all agree there. We were confronted about doing something wrong. And right then, we had an easy way out. What was going to be that easy way out? We're going to lie about it. I dare say, and you, and you, you come up to me and you tell me, preacher, it was, I never did that. But almost every one of us as a child said lied. It was, 
Well, that was easy. That's done. But also, almost every one of us also learned that our parents weren't that stupid, you know. And then they ask us again, are you sure? And you know you're in trouble when mom follows up and says, now, are you sure you didn't? And you're like, oh, boy, what does she know, you know? Uh, I'm sure, mom. It, it reminds me, one of my favorites was with my, my, my nephew. He couldn't have been, you know, he was probably, I don't know, six, seven, eight years old, somewhere in that range. And all of a sudden, uh, my, my, my two nephews in the bedroom, they just moved into this place, and one of them uh, hollered out and screamed at the other one. It got my sister's attention. She come running into the room. My, my little nephew, Evan, is saying, Mom, uh, Corey stabbed the bed. It was a water bed, you know, back in those days. It was a water bed. Uh, Corey poked a knife through the bed. Water squirting up everywhere. Corey's sitting there with a the knife in his hand. No, I didn't. It wasn't me. Okay, now that, that's a funny illustration, but it illustrates something. Satan's always going to offer you this easy way out. He, he's got a plan for you. He's got something that our, our dark nature, you know, j- just like water flows to the lowest source, our nature does the same thing. He's got easy answers for you today, does he not? We can easily make decisions. We, we can easily think, but here's the problem. Some people, you know, what you think about how many people today are struggling with anxiety, depression, hopelessness, loneliness? Well, Satan's got an answer. Hey, I got this pill you can take. I got this drink you can drink, and it, it'll make you, man, it'll make you forget about it all. Right? Wonderful. But it's the same stuff over and over again, because what happens? Sure, it seems to work for a little bit, but then you wake up, and now... Not only are you still lonely and hopeless and whatever else, now you're even deeper because of the regret of what you've done, and now maybe you're beginning to develop an addiction. The the point that I'm simply trying to make is that's where it all leads to, darkness. It's a darkness. It's pain. It's death. It's destruction. It's bondage. Jesus wants to set you free. John 8, 32, Jesus said, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I mean, my goodness. Now, here's the thing to think about, all right? When we think about the darkness of the world that we come back to 1 Thessalonians, and I'm going to try to close out here. Come back to 1 Thessalonians, and he says, walk as children of light here. We're not children of the night. What are we as God's people supposed to do? Because remember, God said in the last days this is what was going to happen. We're not taken by surprise. He said these things were going to happen. And I'm not trying to be gloom and doom here. I'm still hopeful, and that's where I'm getting at. We are still the light. We still have the light, all right? What are we as God's people to do? You may not have the lumens to reach D.C., New York City, or Hollywood. Your light may not be able to shine that far. But you have been equipped with the lumens and the lux to light your home, your school, your job, your neighborhood. We have the brightness to glow at our school board and our city council meetings. We can glow there. See, the charge that is presented to us in Thessalonians is to shine on, to shine on, to walk on, to work on, and to war on, to keep on going. See, century after century, God's people are jailed and killed as the enemy tries to extinguish the light. 
But another light always rises in its place because much like John the Baptist, John the Baptist said, I'm not that light. I just came to bear witness of that light. And it's the same with us. There, we have brothers and sisters today that are being killed. Today, we, there have been Christians killed for the cause of Christ. Persecution, persecution at some level for Christians takes place every, like every minute or so of every day if you, you know, meted it out. Think about that. But what happens? One light gets extinguished, it seems like, but then another one gets lit. They, they had a terrible time with those uh, back when they were burning people at the stake and all that. You don't want to know why? Because uh, it wasn't uncommon for the light that wasn't the light of that fire that they were burning. Man, it was the light as they stood there and would testify and would not recant and would not deny Christ that many times, listen, there would be, there would be times that those in the audience, there would be those times that the executioner themselves would get saved from the light. See, the, the church of Smyrna, for instance, it was a church that, that, that Smyrna, it's, it's with the word myrrh is the root word of Smyrna. Myrrh, uh, for, you know, uh, gold, frankincense, myrrh. Right? Myrrh, it was a bitter herb. It was bitter. It was a bitter herb. But when it was crushed, it would bring forth a beautiful fragrance. And, and that's why the church of Smyrna was, it, it let out a beautiful fragrance because like many of our brothers and sisters and many churches, before us, there's been a lot that there's, their existence has been a fairly bitter existence from a worldly standard as far as persecution. But when they're crushed and when they're persecuted, there's a beautiful fragrance that comes forth. That's why they say the church, the church in China and the church in some of the darkest Muslim countries are the churches that are growing faster than any other churches. Is that something? Why? Because one light gets put out and another one gets lit. So, so, so as John the Baptist, think about this, bringing it back into the context of Thessalonians, as John the Baptist was a voice crying in the dark wilderness, preparing the way for the Lord's first coming, we have the duty, yay, we have the privilege. We have the privilege to stand and boldly shine, to be a burning and a shining light in this day. Man, I, I, I like that part of Mansion Over the Hilltop, one of my favorite songs to sing. And I like that part to where it says, though often tempted, tormented, and tested, I'm not discouraged, amen. I'm heaven bound. Man, we've got something to be happy about. I'm not discouraged. I'm not depressed. Uh, I mean, I, listen, I'm telling you one thing right now. My joy is not based on what's going on in D.C. Oh, preacher, did you see the ones that joined in on that vote? I did. I'm not happy about it. That's not going to be, that, that ain't going to mean for the next week. That I'm going to be like, I'll tell you what's the truth. No. That ain't where my joy rests. Hey, Jesus said rejoice not because the spirits are subject unto you. I would add to that rejoice not because everything is going the way you want it to go in your country, your state, or your community. I would say, but he said this, but re rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. That never changes. So as a life, I love being at work in, in, the, middle of, uh, in, in the middle of COVID. And, and all the stuff that was going on, and people, uh, I didn't love the fact that I was around people that were freaking out. But my point is, people are freaking out, and I'm not worried. I'm not worried. I, I got concerns, you know, and all of that, but, but I'm not worried. I'm not sad. I've still got the joy of the Lord. People say, preacher, are you, are you just oblivious? Do you not know? Do, have you not seen all the things that are going in this country? Yeah. 
Well, but, but, but see, but my God, my, my God sitteth on the holy mountain, amen. He's still ruling. He's still on the throne. So, so I can have a light to a lost and dying world that no matter what's going on, hey, you can know the Lord. Here's what the Bible says. I'm going to give you two passages, and then I'm going to be done. The Bible says in Romans 13, verses 11 through 13, I want you to just please listen to these, these words. And that thou, knowing the time, that it is now high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. What's he talking about? The rapture, the coming of the Lord. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light and let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and in drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. Be a light. It gets real, real practical. It's talking about the way you live your daily lives. If, 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 your, if your study of the end times doesn't leave you, lead you to the way you're living uh, you're in, in, in shoe leather Christianity, it needs to be put back together, amen? And it needs to be completed. I say that because oftentimes in the study of eschatology, just people get way off out there somewhere and forget the practical application to it all. Philippians 2.15 Here's what the Bible says, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a, crook, a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, blameless, harmless, the sons of God. Somebody says, well, I'm not going to be blameless and harmless. They're crooked and they're perverse. No, he says even in the midst of that. That's our attitude. We have a meekness. Now, meekness isn't weakness. Uh, meekness is power under control. Meekness is, is the power of a horse that's being guided by a bridle. That horse has enough meekness to, uh, to obey. There's no weakness with that horse, but it's power under control. And that's exactly how we ought to be as God's people. Shine as light. Light for the last days. In other words, we are the light. We are holding forth the word of life in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. So, uh, amen. Well, God bless.